Hey everybody, C-Note here and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is all about mental health empowerment. Uh, no joke today, I don't have it in me, <laughs> but uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, the fear of the unknown and what do we really fill the unknown with and why are we actually afraid of the unknown? How does that lead to anxiety? How do we manage all of that stuff, especially with the way the world is unfolding at the moment? There's a lot to talk about in this, so let's hit the button and do the thing. Let's go. Inspired by the life of the savvy and ambitious Colombian businesswoman Griselda Blanco comes a new Netflix original limited series. Griselda tells the story of a devoted mother who, with her lethal blend of charm and relentless savagery, creates one of the most powerful cartels in history. Witness Sofia Vergara's captivating transformation into the godmother of the underworld. Griselda, now streaming only on Netflix. Join me, 48 Hours correspondent Erin Moriarty, on my podcast, My Life of Crime, as I take on true crime investigations like no other. This season, I'm looking into the labyrinth of crime and secrets within families. I'm cutting straight to the evidence and talking to the people directly involved, including investigators and the families of victims. Listen to My Life of Crime with Erin Moriarty wherever you get your podcasts. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Dopamine. Thanks for being here. I appreciate you. Thanks for showing up and listening to this little show where I stand at my desk and I just talk about mental things. <laughs> uh, how are you doing? I hope you're okay. I'm going to be thinking a little bit slow on this episode because I just have sort of waned down from a hypomanic spike. And for me, four days plus of not working is really, really hard. Um, I do a lot of things. And I tried a different experiment about managing my mental health around just trying to focus on meditation and keeping my mind calm, not focus on results, um, not focus on putting things out there and managing my own personal judgments. Um, a lot of what I deal with when it comes to hypomania is, um, you know, poor decision making and overexerting myself, creating expectations, stuff like that. So I'm going to cover that in more detail if you are interested in that on our Patreon page. So patreon.com slash dopamine. I'll put on like a little secret podcast talking about that a little bit. I don't want to get into too many details because I'm trying to keep some aspects of my mental health personal. 
and I'm working on that. Um, part of the sort of creation of this show was about being transparent and fully exposed about what I'm experiencing. But, um, you know, there's a lot of episodes where I've already dealt with that. And uh, if there are some interesting results that lead to something that's worth a show onto itself, then I will do that because I'm thinking about a lot of things in relation to typology and mental health that I think could be really, really interesting conversations to bring up and have um, when it comes to all of this. So um, a lot of this leads me to thinking about not only because of the sort of uh, the coronavirus situation going on at the moment. Uh, there's a lot of general anxiety and fear about the future when it comes to politics, global warming, healthcare, stuff like that. And there's also a lot of anxieties in day-to-day life in general. There are a lot of um, uh, perpetuations of anxiety being an okay feeling to continue to have, which is okay to have as a feeling, I should say, as I say that. <laughs> Um, not trying to imply that it isn't, but I don't think there's enough discussion around how we can better manage anxiety and the fear of the unknown because anxiety uh, at its core is about that. It's about the fear of the unknown. And I have a podcast all about anxiety and control, which is a few episodes ago. You can go look that up. Probably one of my favorite episodes. And how anxiety is typically about either fear of the unknown or fear of what we can't control. And if we can't control something, then there's typically a feeling of helplessness associated with it. So it kind of goes one of two directions. You know, we try to satiate our helplessness by taking on too much and doing too much and trying to control too much, or we completely let go and submit control to something and allow ourselves to kind of live in fear and just don't go into those places. It's like being afraid of the dark or a closet or something under your bed. Uh, Most of the time, if we were able to actually look under the bed, put a flashlight on it and see that there's nothing there, in that moment that we're looking under the bed and we see that there's nothing there, there's this satiation of like, okay, everything's fine. But once we turn off the flashlight, all bets are off. You could pretend all that you want that there's still something down there. Sort of a Schrodinger's monster situation. (laughs) As long as there's unknown darkness at any moment in space-time, we can make any assumption or notion that that something is, is there to creep on us and come get us. (laughs) So it's totally possible to you know, continue making that up because that's really what I feel fear of the unknown actually is, is this not necessarily the fear of the unknown, but the fear of what we fill the unknown with. Because if we had no knowledge of monsters or no knowledge of the ways in which the world could actually hurt us, or if we knew how the world could actually hurt us, I should say, uh, then we would have less fear of general unknowns because there's a lot that we just fill in the empty spaces with. We don't, a lot of us don't know much about how the government works. A lot of us don't know much about how healthcare actually works. A lot of us don't actually know much about uh, what's going on with the coronavirus in detail and the fear of the unknown of like, it could be anywhere. It could be 
on that person. It could be there. It could be there is a perpetual state of anxiety that is, is valid and warranted in so many ways. But what is invalid is the ignoring of taking any steps that we can to control anything that we can control in ourselves. So you could take this episode as one big PSA to wash your hands, <laughs> but, but in a sense, it's all about how to control what you can control in your life. And so that means that if in the circumstance of like shining the flashlight under the bed or in the closet, you know, that's up to you to do the shining of the flashlight. You have to seek out the information to help you understand what's actually there. And now there's parts of all of that that is interesting aspects of the human psyche. I think it's really interesting that sometimes it can feel good to remain ignorant. What I mean is that it can feel good to just kind of play dumb with friends and family if you're having a conversation in order to match the vibe of the conversation in the room, right? Because sometimes people don't like, you know, intelligence <laughs> as, a, as they don't see that as a form of social connection sometimes. And uh, that's certain circumstances, not everybody, but there are definitely plenty of people who I'm trying to keep my brain at chemistry down. That's why I'm all NPR this episode. Um, Cause I'm still, I'm not completely out of the woods yet. So I'm just, I'm still monitoring my own behavior and my brain is kind of lit up at the moment. So I'm just listening to that, but in, in certain social situations, and I think we fall victim to this is like, we kind of get into social flow and fluidness of uh, communication and, if we sometimes can ignore the facts or take someone's facts that they've seen on the news or that they've uh, heard through the grapevine and take it as gospel and end up over preparing or over planning or over, you know, changing behaviors in a certain way, it can kind of throw us askew. Um, I'm a big proponent for the idea that I, I hope one day that we can teach some form of journalism or logic in schools. Uh, I know not every brain is built for it, and that's definitely a, a introverted thinking bias on my part, but I do think it would help for people to understand how to search for multiple sources, whether that's, you know, you're looking for political things or just learning about like a local news story or anything like that, you know. It's easy to get emotionally charged and connected to someone's story as opposed to the facts of the story. And I think that's why, like, you know, 24-hour news networks are so popular because that so much is connected to emotional reactions and opinions and connections to big stories. It's not just about, um, you know, like reporting, quote-unquote, information is, is quote-unquote, boring to a lot of people. And I don't think information can be boring or is inherently always boring. I think you can find ways to make it interesting. I think that a lot of people just kind of gave up on making information interesting. Uh, anyway, I'm tangenting too much. The idea here is that learning the actuality of an, of, of an experience doesn't rob you of emotions doesn't rob you of feeling something about that experience. And it's totally valid to be scared, but bravery is action in the face of being scared and bravery to turn on the light 
and understand is powerful for everyone. <clears throat> it's powerful for you to know how to properly prepare. Because if you don't know about like what's going on with the virus per se, and there's like a little bit of the assumption that um, let's say, let's say people are, you know, right now a lot of people are going and running to the stores and I would say plenty of people are going to try to overstock and overstock based on the information that's out there. Now you should definitely prepare. Um, but the kind of rush to overstock is often a matter of a little bit of like a herd mentality. You know, you kind of go and you see a few empty shelves and it's sort of panic and, you know, it's kind of a domino effect. And I think what's really helpful with any anxiety is if you get accurate information of what's going on, you know, look for actual sources of, of people who are, are preparing and know how to prepare, then you can kind of learn how to, to do that. Um, and then also to adjust your lifestyle for the needs of the moments, the needs of the situation. Now I, I, I'm going to leer away from making this so specific to the coronavirus situation <laughs> because it really is about the fear of the unknown. And the fear of the unknown is what is causing the underlying panic. Now, I live in Rochester, New York, and as of now, there's no known cases up here. But you can kind of feel it when you're out at the grocery store. I, I went shopping the past two days just to kind of prepare. We're pretty broke, so we're just kind of we're putting all of our ducks in that basket of making sure that we just have some canned foods and things just in case we're not overdoing it because we, well, we can't afford to, but it's also a lifestyle adjustment and you got to make sure now's not the time to overeat. Um, and, and that is all of that, like being able to know what to do there and to adjust to what's going on is me shining the flash flashlight on what is going on in the world. And I'm doing that by keeping, keeping up with the Reddit thread of coronavirus on Reddit. Um, I think that's really helpful for me to understand what is going on, look at the details of what's happening in the world and to properly assess like, okay, I don't need to freak out and drink bleach, but I also don't need to like be so carefree and say, Oh, it's fine. No big deal. Cause it's not fine, but it's also not, you know, we're not, we're not freaking out just yet. <laughs> um, so it's important to sort of do your part and shine the light on what the actual situation is. Cause you could shine a light and there is something there and that means you got to close the door or that means you have to do something about it. Or maybe you got to move if you find out there's ghosts in your apartment, if that's a thing that you follow. Um, <laughs> um, you know, it's like, it's like interpersonal stuff too. It's like, if you are, uh, if you, don't know a lot about what's going on in someone's life or you suspect that a partner is cheating and some information comes to light. You hear from a person that your partner might be cheating or you saw them with another person and they were going into a hotel or something super dramatic like that. Um, first of all, don't operate on the assumption. If you need to confirm the story, talk to them, talk to the person, maybe find the hotel. I don't know. Do investigative stuff. Um, but even so, if the story corroborates and makes sense and you can tell the person's lying, then that's a flashlight on the situation and you make a decision based on that. Otherwise, you can end up living in a world of making assumptions about your partner that they're always going to cheat on you, even if they aren't. You know, even if someone didn't tell you that they were at a hotel 
you know, they just went out with some friends and uh, it's pretty normal. And then you come home and you're making up stories about where they've been and what they're doing. Um, you know, that is anxiety around something that you can't possibly know to be true. So in one sense, there's an area of, of trust and finding out, you know, what is actually going on with your partner or, you know, being able to know if you can trust your partner is important as well. Like if you can't trust the sources of information in your life, whether that's emotional or actual information, it's all information really. But, um, whether that's, you know, whether or not someone cares about you, um, lying to you, or if you can't trust them to like go out and not do something cause they've done something before that's all information and you have to make choices based on that information. Um, so shining light on it. And I don't, I don't mean snooping. <laughs> I mean, asking, I mean, finding ways to, to get what the actual information is and not speculate on whether or not someone's lying to you. Uh, but to continue to just do your own investigation and figure out why, or if you have enough experience to know or, or know that someone's speculating, like, why aren't you doing something about it? You know? So uh, it's all a, a little bit of a tricky conversation to have, but the general idea, uh, cause I'm not the best at like emotional interpersonal stuff, but the general idea is that if you shine a light on the anxieties that you're having on the situations you're having and, sort of bringing things back to center. And sometimes that means meditating. Sometimes that means being in the moment. And that links to mental health and depression all the time too. I think about this, like with the coronavirus stuff, it's like mental health is going to be super important because if you do get infected, then you managing your mental health through that is incredibly important because panicking doesn't solve anything. Now it's easy for me as an introverted thinker to not panic emotionally, <laughs> but but to work through your emotions, to allow your emotions to be what they are, to let your thoughts be what they are, and to relax, not stay relaxed, but just be aware of what's going on and respond appropriately. Um, it's, it's easier said than done, I know. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I'm just giving you advice on the idea that if you breathe a little bit, <laughs> find out what's actually going on, uh, you can make things a little bit easier. So the, the, the challenge with all of this, I think, is to find this balance between being aware and inundating yourself with it. Now, that means like kind of checking in every once in a while, but not obsessing right? Like being informed is very different than obsessing. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, laying on the floor and having the flashlight, uh, facing underneath the bed instead of reconciling with the idea that, okay, I checked it. There's nothing under the bed. I'm safe. I'm okay. And everything's fine. And it doesn't have to be, it doesn't mean that the monster won't be there tomorrow. Sorry to scare you if that's a thing, but if you need to check every day, then check every day. That's okay. But if, if you check the thing once and it's gone and it's not there, don't assume it was there before. Don't assume that it's there after. Take the information for what it is. It's not there. So relax, rest, let it be the moment that it is. Even if there's like the impending situation that something is going to happen, if it is like logically heading your way, again, prepare for it and 
do the best that you can because all we can do is the best that we can. And the, the definition of, of stress is wanting to be somewhere else versus where we are now. It's like this push and pull. So the idea is that if you are present in the moment, even when it comes to your mental health and you're dealing with depression or you're dealing with mania in my situation, like I'm, I'm always finding the moments between depression and my mania, not between the full on, uh, situations, but between the moments when I have manic spikes and my brain is chill or, or my brain is going crazy that in between there's moments where my brain is chill. Like I say that I've been experiencing mania for four days, but there have been so many moments in between that if I was not paying attention to the moments in between everything, then I would be complete misery because I would be convincing myself that I was in more misery than I actually was. And it's, it's about micro expressions of the moment. (laughs) Oh, this is really hard to talk about, but I hope that makes sense is the idea that there are these moments in our lives that even if there are impending things coming, it's not here now. And again, prepare for it. But once you've prepared, that's the best that you can do. You know, keep washing your hands, keep taking care of yourself, keep doing everything to control your situation. You can't control other people and you can't control family members or anything like that, but you can control your behavior. You can control what you do. And that means like, if you have to call out of work, you call out of work and all of that stuff, but keep checking in with what's going on and check for the information. Like I said, not just speculation and opinions because that really messes with your head. You know, it's once you get into this place of assumptions and this place of like forecasting, because let's face it and let, let, yeah, let's face it. We are not good at forecasting. (laughs) Um, you know, we, we have just because we've, we've, we've been right a couple times in the grand scheme of being a human being. And we tend to forget all the times we're wrong that it's really easy to over give ourselves too much credit for what's coming. You don't know the virus could mutate in an hour from now and everything could dissipate. It could be a virus that doesn't exist after a week, after two weeks. You know, I'm not saying that's what is I'm saying like, you don't know what's coming. You don't know what's going to change. And as much as it's easy to speculate about what's coming in a negative way, why is it that humans don't speculate about what's coming in a positive way? And that's for everything in our lives. You know, it's like, you know, I'm going to be, uh, we see, we see optimism and speculation in a positive way as, as unrealistic yet for some reason being negative and, uh, making fear-based assumptions is more realistic because, you know, it's, it's easier it's easier to, or actually it feels better for our ego to protect against something going wrong than it is to forecast something going right. You know, like if something goes right, yay, I was right. It worked out. But if something goes wrong and we prepared for it, we're like, yeah, I knew that was coming. <laughs> There's just something more intense about that feeling. I don't know what that is about the human ego experience, but we feel that. And I, I would challenge you to be, to allow for optimistic speculation to happen as well. 
And to just simply say it's a balancing act, right? If you are going to speculate that it's also okay to speculate and have optimism in the other direction. Optimism is a state of seeing your situation, the, the suffering that you're experiencing mentally in the moment, sickness, and seeing that as a temporary state. Even if, I mean, this is going to sound real Ram Dossy for a second, but even if you were to get a disease, not saying this disease, not saying, you know, I'm not trying to put that fear into your mind, but I'm saying if you do get a disease and you suffer from it, it's not going to last forever. You, at the very most and worst, will die from it and the suffering is over. Or you could get better and the suffering is over. Nothing is permanent. Nothing ever anywhere is permanent. It's just not. Like, even if you lose your leg, yes, you're going to not have a leg for the rest of your life. But then when you die, you have nothing. <laughs> or you have everything, depending on what actually happens after you die. And I'm not saying that to bum you out. I'm not saying that to scare you, because a lot of us I know are very much afraid of death. But I'm saying that optimism is generally the understanding that your suffering is not permanent. And pessimism tends to be this feeling that suffering is permanent and it will last forever. And regardless of your situation, it does not last forever. Now, I deal with cyclothymia. I know about this feeling because at minimum every two months, I deal with the depression and uh, and the hypomania cycle. And whenever I'm in those, I can't help fighting that feeling of feeling like this is going to last forever. And this is going to be haunting me. This is something that I'm just dealing with. This is woe is me. I'm done. I'm just like living the most miserable life that any human being could have experienced. And in, in the ranking of human history, it's really not that bad. Um, you know, in, in terms of what I experience, because it does end, it does subside. Uh, and I have to know that there is this, this notion also that one day, yeah, I'll die and it'll be done. And I don't have to deal with that anymore. But even in between, there are, there are moments, there are so many opportunities in life where you can become the watcher and see your depression act itself out. And you look at yourself and you're like, oh, that's interesting. Look at you go. You're dealing with depression and you're still alive. That's amazing. And the idea is, is to not have to cut it short, right? Like we cut our lives short when we're dealing with difficult things like that um, because we assume that the suffering is going to be permanent. Um, but even, even in that like the death example, what I'm really trying to say is that with time comes growth. With time comes the ability to more able sh to shine. You'll be more able to shine light on what is actually happening, whether that's in your mind, whether that's a virus, whether that's with politics, things like that, or to choose which things are worth shining the light on. And which you can actually know. It's like 
there's a difference between shining a light in your closet versus shining a light in the Grand Canyon. You might not be able to create enough light to be able to see entirely what's happening in there. You only have a small scope of what you can see and experience. And to a degree, what you can shine light on is like after a certain point, it's not helpful to need a light. You don't need everything exposed. You don't need to know every little thing that's happening. You don't need every tab open. You don't need to care about everything that's happening beyond your sphere of influence. And because there's so much that we don't know about, and it's impossible to know everything. So if your concern, and this is a question for you to ask yourself or for you to work with, with your therapist, is your fear of the unknown linked to wanting to know everything? And does knowing everything actually help? Would, would you feel better if you knew everything about life, about what's coming, about your experiences, about people's thoughts? You know, there are so many times that I'm learning more and more that I would not like to know everyone's thoughts. <laughs> I would not like transparency about everything. I don't want to know what it takes to keep a country safe because there's a lot of death involved. But if there wasn't that, then I would probably be the one dying. Like there's just a lot involved in these big picture things that we assume that we know or don't know, or we can speculate about because we're staring into the void and staring into the void is big. It's scary. There's so much we can make up about it. And one thing is true about how we feel about the void more than anything is that we assume that it's coming to get us and we simply don't know. It may be, it might not be, we don't know, but the idea is to be prepared to be diligent, to keep shining the light on where you can shine the light in your life and to be aware of your sphere, your sphere of influence be aware of what you can be aware of. In the case of the coronavirus, there are ways to be informed, to know how to prepare, when to prepare, in what ways you can prepare. That's the amazing, beautiful thing about the internet, about Google, about Reddit, about even Facebook. For as much as people hate on it, there's ways to kind of know what's going on in the community a little bit. It's all about how you use these tools and not submitting yourself to the void and not necessarily trying to control the void, but seeing it for what it is, something that you don't know. And the best that you can do is grab your flashlight, shine your flashlight in front of you and look and say, oh, hey, that's a bush. I can handle that bush. That's fine. Look over there. Oh, that's a rat. I should probably stay away from that rat. <laughs> and, uh, you know, keep kind of managing the situations as they come. Be prepared. You know, if you, you're going on a hike in the Grand Canyon, you're probably going to need some water. You're probably going to need a little bit of food. Probably going to need some good hiking boots. Probably going to need some, like a sweater or a hoodie because it does get cold in the desert. And uh, just be prepared for what's coming. And make sure you have your, your, your handy-dandy flashlight with you for helping you figure out the road along the way. All right. So thanks for being here. I appreciate you guys. I think I struggled a little bit on that episode. <laughs> so I hope, I hope a lot of that made sense. I hope there's uh, 
the opportunity for you to learn something from this. If you feel like this episode was not great, that's okay. You're allowed to feel that. That's fine. I still love you. That's totally cool. Not all of these are going to be winners. And like I said, I'm kind of recovering from mania, so my brain's a little toasty as it is. But generally, this idea of, you know, managing the unknown and understanding the unknown and um, trying to not fear it as much and knowing that you have the control and the power to shine a light on things whenever that you have access to um, is hopefully helpful to you and uh, will mean something to you. So it's all very abstract, but uh, if you have questions, let me know. Dopamine.life is where the podcast is. Uh, You can also sign up for things there. Check out articles, uh, YouTube channels on there as well. YouTube.com slash dopamine TV. We also have our Patreon uh, patrons, Molly Owens and Calvin Eaton, our wonderful patrons of dopamine. So go ahead and uh, say hi to them by joining our Patreon page at patreon.com slash dopamine. Like I said, if you want to know a little bit about what's going on with my mental health stuff, I'm going to post a little thing about that on there, kind of share some stories. And that's a place to get some support, get some love. There are different tiers for different things. Uh, But generally, the the open community tier, sort of the VIP community tier is uh, is is like a dollar is the minimum bid. So that would be amazing if you could support dopamine financially. So we can keep doing this show, keep uh, doing better episodes <laughs> and uh, trying to help people whenever possible with mental health empowerment. So uh, with that said, if you have any comments, questions, queries, you can go to at let's go see notes on all the social channels. I also have a book out for INTPs called uncommon questions, uh, uncommon, uh, common questions and uncommon answers. Uh, it's by me, Christian Rivera. And if you just search INTP questions or INTP Christian Rivera on Amazon, you can pick that up. It's only four bucks. It's a short book, but it's uh, some bunch of questions that I've answered about being an INTP and all of that stuff. Go check out our programs at dopamine.teachable.com. And uh, that's it. So I appreciate you guys. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being patient while I recover. And uh, take care of yourselves and each other. And I'll catch you next time on Dopamine. See ya. C-Note Media Productions.